0: This is Point of View, a podcast exploring today's digital landscape through a critical lens. Each episode, Gil Rosen, our chief marketing officer at Amdocs, will interview leading authors, entrepreneurs, and experts to help listeners view the online world from a different vantage point and demystify some of your most burning questions. We're discussing everything from fast fashion to the psychology of the internet, underscoring it all with a forward-thinking perspective. Are you ready for the future? Let's get digital. Music has been a strong influence in our lives since the dawn of time. Over the years, the industry has evolved along with tech advancements, cultural changes, and societal trends. Now, what does the future hold for the music world? Today's guest is Ash Kusha a multidisciplinary artist, performer, futurist, innovator, and technology entrepreneur who incorporates AI and virtual reality into his work. He's the founder of a technology company that builds virtual musicians using artificial intelligence, and he's released several critically acclaimed albums. During the episode, Gil and Ash discuss the emergence of the virtual musician, the creative process, and the trends we can expect to see in the music industry over the coming years. Here's their discussion.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Point of View. And today, we have a super interesting guest. We're joined by Ash Kusha. Hey, Ash. Hey, Gail. How's it going? Good. So we're going to talk about the future of music. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Ash. So Ash is a multidisciplinary artist-performer futurist, innovator, and technology entrepreneur. He's known to use computer software such as AI and virtual reality in his work. He's the founder of Oxumon Inc., a technology company building virtual musicians using artificial intelligence and has released several albums which have gained global critical acclaim. Wow, super impressive, Ash. Good to have you with us. Yeah,
2: thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me on.
1: So, you know, I think people listening only to this kind of intro are thinking to themselves, what's a virtual musician?
2: Well, if we um, wanted to define what a virtual musician is, first thing I do usually is to explain what a virtual being is or uh, what um, synthetic media is. So these two fields have sort of informed how we created virtual musicians. And we could trace it back to when visual IP and cartoon IP um, characters have existed since the Disney characters, uh, Mickey Mouse coming up all the way to the 70s, 80s, 90s, until we saw um, a band like Gorillaz that was basically a performance by a bunch of human artists that was presented through a shell of cartoon IP and design IP. And Myself and uh, a couple of friends over the years uh, experimenting with virtual reality, um, doing deep research on AI automation of musical processes, discovered that there is a new opportunity to create something beyond those uh, static IPs, the, the cartoons that were just a shell over human performance, and decided to experiment on how these cartoons that can do something themselves. So basically, these cartoons would have some sort of talent that would assist us humans to uh, generate more and more interesting, unheard-of music.
1: Do you uh, find that... It seems like a lot of what we're talking about um, has a layer, sometimes a foundation of actually psychology and not technology. I'm wondering if you talk to, I don't want to say regular people, but just, you know, regular people. Non-tech people. <laughs> non- yeah. Non-tech people, yeah. How much of what you're talking about is filtered through a psychological filter because you're kind of scaring people when you start to talk about this. What do you find happens when you kind of we engage start, in these topics? yeah.
2: That's such a great point because psychology has a lot to do with the with, with how uh, technology has sort of merged in music. And, and by the way, let, let me just like say what I believe music is. Music is technology. So how I define music is that music was a performance technology. Even maybe 100 years ago, if you trace it back 200 years ago, we, we make a performance that in result, the audience uh, basically... Feels something, starts thinking about something, and enjoys the visual, -visual, audiovisual aesthetics of the performance. And this has come so far and has come through many, many paradigm shifts. Uh, from internet, from MP3s to bootleg cassettes in the 90s. And there, there have been many, many waves of tools being added to this technology, which we I call music. Music is a technology. And I think AI is just another phase where we use automation as uh, a way of uh, building more interactivity with music. It's not about, oh, I want to sit back and like press a button and there's just going to be music. So, oh my God, this is going to destroy human uh, creatives. No, I think this is... Um, a continuity of uh, how we have involved the audience, the listener, the consumer in the process of creation. And we've created a collective of creators, a collective of uh, listeners all coming together and, and creating these mass sort of meme type culture, subcultures, right, on the internet. And this phase, which is AI being added to a lot of uh, the creator economies, uh, already exists. Like when, when I go on Spotify, most of the um, um, songs that are, are discovered by me daily, and I like many, many different genres, it's with uh, it's discovered through the help of machine learning on Sp- uh, Spotify's algorithms that help me do that. So, so I would say th- there's this pop culture attitude toward AI, which is automation is going to destroy, automation is going to sort of replace. I think it's it's more of emerging rather than re- replacement and there's a lot of economic work around it what we're worry worried about usually when we talk about AI is the economical groundworks for the next generation where we make sure there's less damage to the previous model uh, of creation and creators from the previous model uh, take less damage so so yeah I think that exists but I I completely guarantee this it has nothing to do with the fact that Machine learning, data, and in general, the umbrella term artificial intelligence has uh, has got anything to do with with this malicious sort of uh, attitude towards art and human creativity. It's just an addition to the next um, phase, the next paradigm. But you know, I, I by the way, I
1: have conflicting views, so it's such an interesting and 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 and, and deep topic. But I do want to actually challenge you. Challenge you on what you said and and ask you, you know, you don't need to be so humble. And I'll, uh, I'll explain. I think it's one thing to say recommendations. You know, this is how I get my recommendations on Spotify, on Netflix, of course, AI assisted, data assisted. Again, that's part of my day job. On the other hand, it's the first time in human history where something has been created that's not human. And it has been created. This is not a printing machine that I pressed print on my computer and has, you know, something, a, a piece of paper came out, which was exactly what I told it to do. That's kind of machine automation. This is about a creation of a coherent, logical, maybe even emotional uh, genre, which is maybe doesn't even exist by a machine created by man. And the reason it's so controversial and sometimes scary. Not because it's supposed to be malicious, but because people are now questioning their own existence and whether we are type of machines. So when this happens to take place on a program and it actually works, meaning something interesting comes out, it's like you look at it and you say, wow, this this is like a... It's, it's a it's not a revolution it's a quantum leap in music it's a point it's a moment in history in the history of music that things will never be the same if now this let's call it synthetic being I think you said is now joining the party it's not to say anything about existing artists it's not to say about malicious it's just to say there is now another type of creator that never existed before and he might have or not have a following just like any human singer might or might not have a following I think that's what's creating this kind of psychological... So you don't, in my humble opinion, you don't need to say, oh, it's just an assistant or it's just another tool. It's not another tool. It's like,
2: this is a big elephant in the room. I would say this is far in the future, what you're saying. And there are implications, of course, is um, public perception management. There have been projects where uh, you had a virtual being... Uh, that pretended had social problems, and that triggers a lot of emotions in people. And if we, as, as a company, as, as creative teams that create these virtual beings and have control over the, the models, if, we, if we're not responsible to say to what level they're autonomous, that is a problem. I personally always say Yona, for example, the byproduct of Oxumans sort of research, is um, a collectively controlled art project. Right? Uh, uh, one second um, Ash I
1: think our, our listeners because of course I I, I read about Yona maybe you give like two three minutes about oh, who sure. Yona is
2: yeah so Yona is basically uh, the, the sort of lab project that we started and I personally started uh, in 2017 and what it was basically Yona is this personality this uh, non-existent personality that appeared on uh, an album that I created and the idea was that let's let's not have a human guest singer. Let's just put uh, this computer voice model into a record and see how how people respond. And and it turns out it was one of the most emotional uh, pieces of music on that record. And and actually it got to a point where people were like, okay, this is this is super emotional. Why do we feel something about this character? But I describe it in this way: that machine is not present uh, in the process of making things emotional. The expression is the surface-level material, right? It's it's similar to a Netflix movie. It's like the the better the team uh, behind the Netflix movie use those tools, better the the machine will sound, right? I think that's the uh, the better sort of example to make that this is this is more like the the. the continuity of movies and and uh, faking basic, faking emotions it's like you you watch a TV series they're faking emotions for you who put, put, who put, put the put emotion you. in yona who who who, who so, scripted those words yeah so basically um, there was a decision that Yona is this fabricated person that listens to certain type of music like synth pop and witch house and dark electronic music. And then the lyrics came from Margaret Atwood and, and a lot of sort of chats between uh, teenagers that were complaining on the internet. And so that being uh, trained, like the, the model basically trained on that data comes out as this uh, sort of hybrid of emotions from this bigger spectrum, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still decided. So my point always is that given the limitations that we have with technology and AI, still we are informing the models. So we we are not at this stage yet where a machine turns itself on somewhere in a server farm and decides today I feel like this because it's sunny out there, right? So these are, I I think, far-fetched ideas we might not actually need to go into that direction where we have fully autonomous, self-aware machines. It's, it's simply because artificial intelligence was not a field of research that was looking for that. We were trying to understand how the brain, human brain works, uh, creating backpropagation to understand how uh, sort of we can create memory clusters and 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 fetch data in a better way and use big data in a better way. So I think. The example of Yona just being this non-existent person is is a perfect beginning to modularizing the the presence of a human. And Yona, at some point, Yona might turn into a carrot. I don't know. It would turn turn into a robot, like whatever. Like it can be anything. It's just a new layer of creativity added to the fleet of uh, uh, sort of collectives of people that that make something that is interesting to people. And the beauty of that, I think, for me, is that now we can get 50 people to work on one, one musical IP, a performance IP. The same way you would uh, have um, a pop artist going into the studio and they just come up with these stories together and then produce a song, write a song. And for a year, they will tour the song. So it's, it's kind of the same principle, but it's done through the the final part, which is the performance part, is done by non-human material. And that's, by the way, thanks to the internet, virtual worlds, and how technologies have uh, allowed us to fully go digital and and adopt fully digital uh, performances right now.
1: Well, you know, when you say it really depends on how we feed the machine, the model, right? So in a sense, you know, that is the limitation. But if you think about who we are, Now I'm kind of opening up a philosophical window. We are, the models that we uh, are built on are the models of our childhood, of our, you know, what our parents fed us, the environment. So if I'm a, if I would be born in a room like Yona and listen to all these kids on the internet, I might come up with the same song because I am the product of my my learning, right? Anyway, I actually want to... Exactly, that's automation. So <laughs> yeah. we
2: basically automated a process where, which a child goes through for 15 years, learning a skill, becoming a performer and having stress about becoming famous or not. We we took that off of uh, a human and put it on a machine and said, okay, let's create an IP or many, many IPs and have these perform for us. And, and us humans and behind and many, many other people can become a part of that process and can have stake in that process and i think that's that's a beautiful thing and w- humans have always tried to do that it's like simplify the problem and give it to many people give the solution to many people that, that i think that's the beauty of the recent it's the almost like technology. we're
1: playing a uh like a reality show that we're playing on the on the machine model that we're like throwing them realities and then they 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 create that becomes part of their let's call it information base and they create uh,
2: the output. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to actually like create this mock, like the Truman uh, show, right? It's like the yeah, Truman show. Yeah, exactly. A, <laughs> we want to do this uh, experiment. It's still in works maybe in the next couple of years. We want to actually do a sort of mockumentary style like a reality tv style film out of a couple of virtual beings and and they they're just going to start like telling about their life and like we, we hear what uh, the aggregate emotions that are, that are stemming from big data would result in and and in a funny way i don't know if you if you if you could think of uh, what we do in the shadows like what we do in the cloud mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah. that's funny <laughs> What, we,
1: what happens when you don't look at us? Yeah. Yeah. The parties exactly. that happen in the cloud. That's yeah. awesome. Actually, okay, so so wow, we went like very far and very wide. I actually want to come back to our life now. And I think the music, the art industry has really changed performance arts, especially since COVID, when kind of the, the, the physical carpet has been uh, yeah. kind of t- taken under our feet how you know how do you uh, see this uh, ever coming back uh, what actually happened what do you think really happened how does how is it affecting artists has that really helped a new domain and maybe your the one that you're dealing with even become more important and mainstream can you kind of give your take yeah, on it yeah i what? think
2: yeah it's it's very interesting the performance side of things um, we got to a point i think in the last 5 years where I had DJ friends who would travel. I mean, this is my personal experience, but you you can see the patterns of performances, festivals growing in the the last four years before COVID at least. And there were people, DJs, who would travel like three times, four times a week, like just fly in and out. And I think a big part of that is just removed. I'm sure it's going to come back, the performance side of things with music and people want to go to festivals. That will come back. But a big part of that will be reduced, completely removed, because people realized it was unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary for me to travel for a 20-minute set halfway through the world and just like do 20 minutes for 50 people.
1: So now and, it'll be like a big screen and I'll do my set from wherever? Like
2: Yeah. May, and, and maybe now we've realized there are many, many other technologies that we can uh, use and maybe select one out of five technologies, gaming, social media, live streaming, and interactive streaming and, and cloud technologies to, to basically uh, present our work as creators. And the next generation, the younger generation is the TikTok generation, obviously. They're well equipped with um, tools that create moments that are interesting and fun, and they don't need to travel uh, continent to continent in order to do that little performance. It's it's just a different mindset now. And I think it's great. I was complaining about this. Used to get invited to a tech conference for for like twenty five minutes just to talk about what I can do here now. Yeah. And that would cost like roughly around like eight thousand for the for the whole trip and things around it, the flights, and the time. The hotel. And- yeah. And it's it's crazy. Like okay, that money. If, if you keep that money, you can inject that and insert that into another part of society and boost the uh, creator economy and the distribution economy around creation, which is mostly digital. By the way, when we say music, most of it is digital now. It's, it's, a, it's a part of digital art. And the new creator economy, I think, will uh, distribute the performance part with sales, with sharing, with streaming, with, with a lot of different things that before it belonged to a certain part of that medium. So it's now becoming more democratized in a sense. And I still appreciate the fact that classical music exists. I love to go see uh, a piano, piano performance at Barbican in London. or but, but these are things that will probably exist in the next 500 years as well. Uh, there's no need to remove that. But this abundance of... Uh, demand for creation and presentation was going in the wrong direction if it was physical. So You think it's in the wrong direction? If it was fully physical. Yeah, because imagine if we are, as technologists, if we are creating tools that will allow for millions, if not billions, to become creators and all of those billions want to fly to countries and like every week, every month to perform, it's just not sustainable. Right? It's...
1: It's just not scalable. Well, first, I think, you know, um, these guys were having too much fun. So that's why it needed to stop. So somebody pulled the plug. No, um, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 not the Cancun again, right? <laughs> You're not flying to Mexico. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. But the, 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 the real point is, and actually I'm seeing it kind of back to basics. So not so far away from where I live, like there's like a boutique hotel and they have rooftop, they have a rooftop. And what has been happening lately is that they have very famous artists play there, very small performance of which I think none of them would have agreed pre-COVID because it's like, hey, I'm not performing in front of 40 people, in front of 50 people. But now when they went through the year of actually being performing or not performing or performing like via, you know, like via streaming, they actually appreciate now the, the connection of sitting in front of 40 people. It doesn't have to be like Wembley Stadium. It's also okay to perform in front of 40 people. And as an artist, as a human artist, get that physical interaction and emotion in, in one space. And, and I think that's something that uh, technology has yet to reproduce,
2: yeah, as I said, this I think the the urge for being with your friends and and hearing music loud and, and it gets into your body. The stimuli is still going to happen, and I think it's important for it to happen. But I think if we allow for a new sort of additional normal, which is virtual worlds, gaming specifically, um, these can be used to balance how much we uh, we we actually value those physical moments. As I said, it was overly used. The physical format, it was overly used to a point that it it just became a sort of daily activity for the middle class, in a sense, right? That we we don't even appreciate it anymore. It was like the club is available 24-7 almost, like in Berlin, in in London. And I think that's not a good thing necessarily. It has some good elements like social mobility, uh, global mobility, where uh, you come from China, you go to Berlin, you get introduced to a new culture, and many different sort of cultures merged and they got introduced, which was... Not that tangible through internet, in my opinion. It was kind of synthetic through, uh, through the internet. But at the same time, there has been this natural growth in gaming, in virtual worlds, in places that we can still feel the same way that uh, spatial design in physical form is in the virtual world we can walk around, have a sense of distance, have a sense of communication, talk to each other, do things that are otherwise impossible in f- physical life, which is, I want to throw a fireball at you. I, can't, I would probably not be able to do that in real life. Well, so, my special shield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure when we're going to achieve that in real life, but uh, I think there are, there are goods and bads to both sides. But for me, I'm biased because I'm—I've been always interested in, in virtual spatial design and special worlds. And right now, with and what we're doing as well is creating ox world. What we call it—it's themed world where these AI musicians are there, NPCs are there, people are going to be there. We can hang around uh, and and play music, share new things, tell each other what books we like, read things together. So worlds that become meaningful in in terms of finding friends and maintaining friendship and then extending it to real life i think that is the 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 best way to move forwards where we where we keep in contact with friends around the world and then extend that to real life then we go see the result in person and come back whereas if it was going to scale fully in physical form that would have been a first i think environmental disaster that's one of the biggest part of the, uh, the environmental disaster right now is flying a, a lot, traveling a lot, resources with plastic, like te- uh, basically like short-term resourcing uh, of uh, for catering, for food for festivals. If you think about these little details all over the world, it's very hard to scale that into billions. If I'm allowed to, as, as an Instagram artist that has even a thousand follower, uh, followers, I'm allowed to go travel that much so you can multiply that to bi- a billion artists now. So if the current or pre-COVID reality
1: was phew, concerts and parties and DJs flying around, but then you also had the mega artists and it's like a whole ecosystem, right? So if you think about a top artist traveling, it's all the sound engineers. it's the It's the who sets up the stage. It's the lighting. It's everything that has to do with thousands, hundreds of people per artist on the road, and they have you know their schedule for the tour so every city and whoever is employed in that city gets a, you know to participate in that economy in that the residual economy and now stop we hit a wall now we have this new development take me 5 years from now to the let's call it day in a life of you know you pick the artist of, but, but uh, you know, top leading world artist who was previously on tour, whether it's a band or, you know, a performing artist, how does that look like? What, what's the proportion of physical, will they have like two physical shows and the rest will be kind of virtual in, in your <laughs> virtual world? I mean, how do you see it
2: working? I'm not too worried about those levels of artists. They're always backed by the fact that they are beyond just music. They're businesses. They're big businesses, right? They have a revenue of whatever, like millions and tens of millions a year, and it's sad that they got the hit as well because.
1: Sorry for cutting you off. Isn't there revenue yeah. coming from these performances from these Mostly venues?
2: Revenue was from streaming performances around the world. Like you had like a run of two years of touring around the world if you're Lady Gaga or Drake, and then you have a lot of brands partnerships, which I will explain how all of those fields are changing. So even from streaming brand partnerships and performance, I think these uh, income sources are changing. So before it was, it was normal for you as an artist to have big companies like Warner supporting you and, and you would come up with new means of uh, entertainment, like, Oh, I want to do this kind of interactive tour or uh, sell merchandise in this new way. But now, I think the performance part is going to be very difficult, right? And I think this is it in terms of how the music industry is going to completely shift. It's going to go through just a massive change. The main reason that industries exist like the, the music industry, the entertainment industry was because they could basically monetize off of these records, the performances as a as a sort of unique selling point. Now the production part is being modularized. So you have companies like Splice and you have bedroom producers that immediately can do uh, one minute, two minute songs on TikTok and just boom, they go become Lil Nas X, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's the production part. Post-COVID, the performance part, now it, it has to mean something beyond just this mass scale concerts. They have to try and navigate around that. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what, what what's going to happen to that because we, we still don't. We are at a curve where we don't know if... COVID is going to go away in, uh, in a month or a year, or is it going to come back? Is it going to be, a, a, the, I don't know, the Godzilla variant or whatever? <laughs> so it's like, because every day is like a new...
1: Uh, thank you for, you know, uh, for, for, for putting this uh, mental image in our minds. Yes, thank
2: you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it will rise from the sea. But yeah, that performance part, uh, w- one thing that was interesting about that was that for the first time we saw like Lady Gaga or... or Elton John doing, in my opinion, I mean, this is this is my criticism, but terrible bedroom performances. And they became, actually, I, I think if you we were to rank these performances, there were so many YouTubers that had better cover performances of those artists yeah. on YouTube from yeah. their bedrooms. Yeah. So that kind of scared people. It was like, whoa. So if you take away that massive performance production, away from these artists are they actually like they, they must be tired being in that model right in the model of the saturday night lifestyle staging and like they're selling a show lighting. they're not selling yeah, a better exactly. performance they yeah so so the only thing that i can think is that the spectacle right it's about the this uh, spectacle that you sell to people as a package how can we replace this? How can we transform exactly. this into something easier and and, and quicker and, and less money-hungry, if you know what I mean. Like, you spend millions to gain millions. Is this model going to change? I think, yes. Gaming is a big part of that right now. Streaming is a big part of that. I liked how uh, a lot of Beat makers, producers started live streaming on Instagram, on YouTube and showing how they make music. So is there going, going to be a monetization form out of that? Maybe that's that's the process where I'm a beat maker and I'm doing something for this massive rapper and people will come into my studio through live streaming and tell me which snare to pick, mm. right? So interactivity is allowing for this new generation of gamified art, gamified creation, gamified economy. So in a sense, monetization is going to happen and the spectacle is going to happen in the moment. So key word here is real time. I think real time creative processes are super important. And afterwards, when that real time process is over, what remains becomes the memory of creation for millions of people. If I if if so maybe to wrap this up
1: in a in again very kind of personal and pragmatic context if I'm a performing artist I'm not a mega star and I actually have musical talent what would you say to those artists that they probably have to start doing start learning in order to deal with the future that we described
2: I think starting to learn that communities are the most valuable commodity around art and creation. That makes me think that every, every artist today needs to immediately build a community. Even if it's starting from five people, just build a little uh, society. And that is very possible through social media, through um, gaming. You can bring your friends to do something together. And it goes beyond music, I think. Uh, it goes beyond uh, beyond the f- the sound f- s- format, and it goes into culture and dialogue. The reason why I certain uh, sort of didn't continue making music in the last couple of years was because I, I was more um, uh, de- dedicating myself more into the innovation of sound, and like, I was very sound oriented. But we we definitely shifted from just being sound like make- sounding good. We- we're we're now more than ever. Trying to create a dialogue, a community, a society around what we create. And without that, it's just music. And we all love good music. And there's an abundance of good music. There's a lot of good music, right? So what you say with it, what you're trying to articulate with the piece of music that you created is is a lot more important than the process. My generation was so fascinated by being able to even record at home. So a lot of my friends would see me as this like crazy genius guy who's like in his bedroom making the same level of mastering and mixing as a pop artist. That was that was like, like the engineering part of it. Yeah. Yeah, the technology. engineering, the yeah, the technology part. And, and now that's just, I mean, SoundCloud just added a live mastering as well. Like you, you can do a lot of tricks around your craft that doesn't require ten years of maestro level, sort of expert level skills. So I would really encourage everyone that is coming up and, and is is younger to just follow the, what they are already doing. TikTok, games, go into Fortnite, try and find a, a way to create a little community. That's where creativity is. I think creating a community in a different way, it's just a mini society, a micro society uh, in the digital realm, uh, in a different way, is creativity at its best right now.
1: That's a very optimistic way to wrap up our podcast. Yeah. I think going back to basics, to the human need and, and skill of coming together and creating a community. That's a, that's a really cool message. I expected you to say something about AI and you surprised me.
2: Uh, uh, I think AI will resolve itself into sort of people's lives the way it should. And I trust that there will be a lot of errors around it, but I think we will, we will not waste our resources and time. Hopefully we, we, we've learned lessons with technology and it's getting more and more about actually being efficient and not just sounding efficient.
1: Ash, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah,
2: thanks. Really
1: enjoyed our conversation yeah, and fun. hopefully see you sometime. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Ash shared his fascinating perspective on the intersection of music psychology, and technology. Although the fusion of music and technology seems like a relatively new phenomenon, Ash suggests the two have always been one and the same. Music is the technology that has the power to make us think, feel, and act differently. The new wave of AI and virtual reality in music is just the next evolution of this ancient technology. However, there is no doubt that the music industry as we know it is undergoing massive fundamental and structural changes. The way musicians monetize their creations is shifting as in-person performances become less common and online, live-streamed, or viral performances steal the spotlight. Ash, thank you for taking the time to share your point of view. Thanks for listening to Point of View a podcast by Amdocs. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll see you next time.